to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year to you. I know our um, Goal Achievement Part 1 episode was released January 2, but we actually recorded that a few days prior in December. So this is the first podcast we're actually recording in 2023. So Happy New Year. How the fuck are you? That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm glad we've got good mics, but I feel like it's going to be really picking up my raspiness. Yeah, Dean's had a bit of a cough, didn't you, Dean? Yeah, Mexico done did me over when we arrived back here after being in New York. The pollution about, is pretty bad here in Mexico. It's, it, it surprises you, though, in that it doesn't look that polluted. No, but you can feel a burn sometimes. You know? mm. And also Dean found this website called, what was it? Nomad something or other. Nomad List, I think. Nomad List. And it lists different categories of things in different countries, like how good the internet is, how safe it is, how gay-friendly it is for pollution. And not surprisingly, Mexico rates quite poorly. And yeah. Dean has sensitive lungs. So yeah. here we are. So I'm actually drinking just hot water, tea and lemon. Uh, sorry, hot water, lemon and honey. Oh, yeah. I didn't feel like a tea. Okay. Thought I'd save that for the United Kingdom. Okay. Uh, It's pretty delicious. So since we recorded the last episode and now, we went to New York for 10 days. Oof. That was an adventure, wasn't it? Yeah, it was cold. (laughs) You would never guess how cold it got in New York. Oh, my God. Tell them, Dean. Tell them. Negative 14 degrees Celsius. No joke. That was... I've been cold. I've been in the snow. I've been uncomfortable, but never like that. I don't know what temperature you need to get to for your eyeballs to freeze. But there was one time when I was like, Dean, Times Square is just there. I can see the lights of Times Square. Let's walk. I got there and I like had to put my hand against a railing because I felt dizzy. My eyes just wouldn't focus. And I actually think my eyeballs were freezing. And what was the solution at that uh, Just to run into a store every few minutes. What do you mean? Well, we got pizza, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we got a we slice. Warmed up, we warmed up with a slice of pizza and uh, and also a slice of uh, cheesecake. It was, it was our only slice of pizza in New York, disappointingly, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, it was our only slice. Uh, it was because New York are really good at, uh, you know, bringing you in and then disappointing you. <laughs> so they have 99 cent slice uh, advertisements everywhere in New York. And they you're do. like, I'm down with 99 cent slice. That's mm-hmm. 99 cents USD, so sixty three. Um, and then you get there and you realize it's for the margarita pizza and every other piece is at least three fifty. Mm. And you're like, whatever, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I'm all down for eating pizza. Delicious. But I don't know. I, when we, the pizza doesn't look, pizza. yeah. When the pizza doesn't look fantastic, I'm like, oh, I'd rather spend those calories on other things. So that was our only slice of pizza, but it was good. Damn. On the first night. It was cheesy. Yeah. On the first night, we also saw a guy um, <laughs> uh, threaten another gentleman inside a Whole grocery store, Whole Foods, where you sit down to actually eat your food, though, uh, with mace. Oh, oh, so get this. I could see a fight was starting and there were like only two tables away because you self-serve your food and you pay by the weight and then you go and sit down in this area. And so these two dudes are like, what the fuck are you looking at? And like, stop looking at me. And then they, I don't know, things were getting nasty pretty quickly. So I was like, oh, I'll quickly go get security. 
uh, because I don't want to see some guy get his face punched in right now. And so I walk up to this lady who's wearing like a radio and a security jacket. And I was like, hey, you're security, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm security. I was like, good. Over there in the food hall, these two dudes are about to punch on. And she was like, all right. I was like, well, can you do something? She was like, no. And I was like, oh, sorry. Are you security? I thought maybe I was mistaken. She was like, yeah, I am security. I was like, well, can you stop this fight? She's like, no, no. I'm security for the products. I'm here to make sure that the products are okay and they don't get stolen. I'm not here to protect the people. I was like, good job, mate. Good on you. And so <laughs> luckily um, the mace was enough of a deterrent for no punch-ups. But anyways, that was fun. Yeah. Night number one. She's there to prevent <laughs> bruised apples. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. It was negative 14 degrees. It was so cold that it made zero degrees feel warm. When it hit that seven. Oh, when it got to minus six on day three, that felt warm. Yeah, you could start it? taking other things off. Like you just like whatever. I swear a t-shirt and a jacket. Man, it's just it's all relative. It's like um now that I'm training three four days a week, that feels like nothing. I feel like I hardly move. Mm. Um, because I used to train twice a day, five six days a week. Whereas people who don't move at all, they're like four days a week at the gym. Like it's mm. just it's all relative, isn't it? Asterix, not weights twice a day just for reference just so people know quickly that's true well i also trained like a dickhead at the time this was a very long time ago i was definitely overtrained. yeah so as yeah. a person like that we went to america for 10 days over christmas it was jolly mm. uh, we had an epic christmas with a, a friend of mine who i hadn't seen in like 10 years and she invited us to her uh family christmas party maria what a legend we so we had a greek new yorker christmas we did pretty fucking cool yeah um new year's was great we got invited to a white party mm-hmm um, in white, white clothing party. <laughs> Just to clarify, yeah. No, black, no blacks allowed. Black clothes allowed. Sorry. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good ten days, and then we're back in Mexico. We're here for another seven weeks, and having been to Mexico, gone to New York, come back to Mexico, we fucking love Mexico. Mexico is a cool place. Yeah. I it's, think um, it's portrayed in a certain way on TV, isn't it? And we're no experts on Mexico as a whole. We only know Mexico City. Yeah. Was the other thing too? Mexico is huge, so you can't really judge it by one town, no. um, or we you know one documentary on El Chapo. So, but the people are really friendly here. The food is excellent. It's very affordable. I actually feel way safer in Mexico than I did in New York City. Honestly, I would agree with that actually too. You as well. As somebody who doesn't typically feel unsafe yeah. in many scenarios, I was always a little bit weary and cautious in America. Because mm. um, a lot, there's a lot of mental pretty, illness there. Pretty relaxed it? here. Yeah. Well, not even that. It's just that you can't sit in a, in a, I was going to say Walmart, but in a Whole Foods and accidentally catch the eye of a guy without him telling you that he's going to punch your face in and then mace you. Yeah. Because you, know? like, you, you looked at him for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening. Now we uh, shall get started. We're doing a part two on goal achievement being the beginning of the year. People have likely set themselves some new year, new me girls. And so we thought we would throw out some practical and helpful tips on ways to make goal achievement more likely right <laughs> i nearly tried to say right with a roll of the r but i didn't oh in spanish because obviously it's spanish speaking here in mexico we're trying to learn spanish you need to roll your r's a lot and dean can't do it he goes Brrr. i can't do it when asked <laughs> to do it like a you know like a puppy. rapido because i get um say rapido no i get i get stiff tongues you know <laughs> dean goes Brrr, rapido <laughs> That's my joke. <laughs> it's not. Um, okay. So, Ding, where so, yeah. are we starting today for goal achievement? Oh, probably, sorry, just to interrupt you before yes. you've started speaking. 
if you haven't listened to part one, go and do that first. It's not like this won't make sense unless you listen to part one, but that's really important. And we kind of deal with the crux of things there. And this is sort of an extension. Yeah. So we're going to talk about five topics today, as Liz mentioned. The first one is building a robust response system mm -hmm. and having uh, emotional regularity capacity to emotionally regulate. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because a lot of people, you know, understand that maybe I should eat fewer cookies. Maybe I should eat more vegetables. Maybe when I feel lonely or scared, I shouldn't eat a block of chocolate to feel better. So they're like, great, this year, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and they might show themselves some graphs, do some studies, set themselves some macros, but we can't just show our feelings a spreadsheet. And then all of a sudden we're no longer emotionally eating. Feelings just don't work that way. So I introduced to you something called the wheel of emotions. And this is step one in helping yourself overcome emotional eating to make goal achievement more likely. So it looks like this. Step one, identify how you're feeling. And that's more than I feel good, I feel bad, right? I feel cold, I feel hot. Not like that. This is about or really... Or even something simple as just I'm sad, right? Well, I mean, sad is a step in the right direction, okay. but we definitely can go much further yeah. for sure. Um, <clears throat> and this is about developing something called emotional granularity. Um, it might be something like, mm, I feel angry. But really think about, is that really what I'm feeling? Maybe what you're feeling is something more complicated, like a mixture of, I feel contempt, I feel grief, um, I feel betrayed, mm. right? Something like that. And we know that when we can actually identify how we feel, we can more appropriately respond to that. Okay, so step one, identify mm. how you feel. I hadn't actually heard of this term until you told me about it um, when we were, were looking into doing this podcast. And oh, okay. To, to clarify, essentially, it's just like having the, ability to specify the specific emotion or trying to distinguish between varied emotions that may seem like they come under the same wheelhouse. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It's a good idea. I like it. You do. Cool. Oh, if anybody wants to know more about emotional granularity, there's actually an awesome book on the topic of actually understanding your feelings. Um, it's called, it's called Atlas of the Heart and it's excellent. Honestly, it's really excellent. I, I highly recommend it. Um, okay. So step two is accept however you feel without judgment, okay? So, oh, I feel betrayed and I feel shame. Like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit. Like, mm -hmm. that's not very helpful. We want to accept without judgment. And that's step two. Step three would be think of an alternative to self-soothing outside of eating your feelings, okay? And there's actually three necessary components to making this a useful thing. So it might be, you know, playing the guitar, some other creative adventure. It might be journaling, meditating, masturbating, whatever, whatever oh, works. Well, you know, that's, that's soothing, isn't it, Dean? I mean, it, do you masturbate, Dean? No, never. <laughs> um, I was in my Biggest brain, wanker. I was <laughs> chuckling about building a robust system. And right. then you also saying the soothing nature of it. And I was like, it could be quite a robust, a robustful act. And I, I, I was, I okay. Was just, All right. I was having a moment. Thank you for your contribution. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's three things that are necessary when we're choosing an alternative other than food to soothe. So the first one must be, it has to be immediately satisfying. It can't be something with delayed gratification, right? Immediately satisfying. It can't depend on other people or the weather, which is why I didn't say have sex. 
Uh, I feel like there's someone at our yeah, front door that's talking door. about this. Okay, because mm, that's kind of awkward, isn't it? Um, the next one is it can't depend on a budget. So it can't be something like really expensive. So it has to be something you can do anytime, any place, doesn't depend on another person or the weather, immediately satisfying. So playing an instrument, maybe listening to music you like, having a warm bath if usually you tend to emotionally eat at nighttime when you're at home and the bath is always there, whatever works for you, journaling, meditating, something like that. Do you have any methods of self? You, Dean doesn't have deep emotions. I was going to say, <laughs> now, excuse me. <clears throat> um, I was laughing when you said Atlas of the Heart. I'm like, I may not read that. It might tell me that mine's dead. Dean, honestly, <clears throat> I always say that he has shallow emotions because he does. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't feel things deeply, um, which isn't a criticism. It's an observation, Dean. No. So do you have any methods of self-soothing or do you never feel emotional enough to feel like you need to soothe yourself? Um, I would say uh, something that I would use when I feel like I may be pent up mm -hmm. with a particular emotion, whether that be yeah, like anger or feeling like somebody has, you know, I've lost their trust or whatever it is, or they've lost my trust, I should say, would probably do be go for a, a walk. Okay. Um, that, I find that relatively soothing and it gives me the opportunity to get clarity in my thoughts and, okay. and whatnot. Um, but there's no like, other thing. Like, like I'm not, I'm not a colorinera. I'm not a big music listener. Oh, I love adult coloring in books. Um, Go to Typo. They have the best coloring. In you books. know, if I try to draw something, I probably just get more frustrated. Not being good enough. <laughs> You're a shit drawer. Um, <laughs> I'm a good copier. I'm a terrible creative drawer. Yeah. So yeah, no, no I wouldn't say that there's something that I lean into there okay. consistently. Because it's not something you've had to really learn because you don't have big emotions. Yeah. Okay. That's Pretty fine. Oh, I do have big emotions. I used to smoke when I felt like super overwhelmed. I used to be a smoker in high school because I was like super cool. Um, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I used to take drugs and smoke and drink. <laughs> um, but it's been a really long time since I've done any of that. Uh, so now I guess I let myself have huge cries. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, I no longer try and like hold it in and be tough. I'm like, let's feel what I'm feeling and have a cry. Um, sometimes, honestly, I do color in, I, I love my iPad for that because as a traveler, I can't always have like different books and pencils and stuff with me. So just doing something physical and, you know, with my hands helps me like think things through without turning into a trembling mess. Mm. Um, yeah. Naps. Yeah. I mean, another one I actually do. If we've ever had like a, a fight or like something where I'm like trying to get clarity, I, I tend to clean. Okay. Just do yeah. something mindless. Yeah, but also purpose-driven. It's like, it's the stuff that I don't want to do, but for some reason I quite enjoy it when I'm in a Can stage. we fight more often? So this bathroom needs a clean. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can have a huge argument tonight. Uh, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really do find music therapeutic, but I feel like it would be so therapeutic if I could actually play an instrument myself. I can't. I've been wanting to learn for a while, but when you travel... And there's very limited room in the single suitcase that you have. I don't know. Maybe I should learn the harmonica or something. Please don't. But <laughs> you don't like the sound. I'll need self things. That's so funny. Um, okay, so the fourth step is definitely not mandatory, but something that you might find helpful depending on what the reasons are that you're feeling emotional. If somebody's making you feel a certain way and you end up emotionally eating for that reason, you could look at confronting that to help reduce 
the frequency or intensity of these feelings in the future, like having a conversation with someone and saying, you know, I love you, but this, these are the things that make me feel these certain things. Do you think we could change this in the future and see how you go? Yeah, not necessary, but could be helpful. Okay. So step one, again, identify how you feel. Step two, accept it without judgment. Step three, find an alternative to eating. Okay. Step four, not mandatory. Can you do anything to reduce it happening again? How do you feel about it being cooking? Hmm. Okay. Or, or even like call it food prep because you're preparing food for, mm. I, I find chopping vegetables quite soothing. Mm. Um, I find the process of cooking very enjoyable and relaxing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that could actually be something here. But I wonder if you would have to be cautious about what you cook, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, if you feel triggered by the food you're cooking and you're trying to, you know, eat less, then maybe not a good idea. But if you're feeling triggered by an emotion and, you know, you're prepping vegetables for the next week or something, and I think that's yeah. a great idea. Right. Mm. Next one, number two. Uh, Process focus versus outcome focus. Sounds good. Mm. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, let's start with an example of defining, you know, what we mean by process versus outcome focus. If somebody goes to the doctor and they're, you know, quite overweight and they're dealing with some health consequences because of that or heightened risk of health um, problems, the doctor might say, who's outcome focused, lose 20 kilos, it'll be better for your health. Okay, come back when you've lost 20 kilos and we'll do another blood test. They've just given them the outcome. They haven't told them the process of how to get there. Yeah. Focus on the 20 kilos, do that. Well, do, I don't know. They might be like, lower your cholesterol levels. You need to lower your blood pressure. Like, okay, bro, like what? Hmm. Whereas a doctor or a, a coach or whoever who is process focused, what might they say, Dean? I would like you to find 15 minutes a day to go for a walk. I would like you to cut your sugar beverages intake by 50%. Okay. Um, and I would like you to engage in some self-soothing. Okay. Um, uh, if it's blood pressure related or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, or even ask the person, what are two things you can do to reduce your stress? Yeah. They're essentially giving people the opportunity to focus on the things that they're doing in a day-to-day -day base, uh, basis that will and should technically eventuate at the at the the outcome that they desire mm -hmm. but it's not the focus for them to do that mm. yeah another way of talking about process would be to say systems so mm. we could also say systems focus versus outcomes focused or results focus whatever words click and work for you um and when i initially started lifting weights and i was like oh bodybuilding comps it seemed like a good idea I was very outcome focused. I thought, you know, if I want to get on stage and I want to win a trophy, I need to, as a bodybuilder, be as muscly as I can and as lean as I can at the same time. That's essentially the outcome you're trying to achieve as a bodybuilder. And I'm sure anybody who has gone down this road can appreciate that it is never enough. You can always be leaner. You can always be more muscly. You can always be more symmetrical. You look fantastic, but look how shit your calves are. Like there's yes. always something to work on. And it just feels like a fucking grind. And it got to the point where I was just perpetually dissatisfied with the result because I have a tendency to be quite hard on myself. And that um, focus on the outcome ended up taking the joy away from the process. I didn't start lifting weights or eating better to get on stage and win a stupid plastic trophy, right? I started for 
really important reasons. Um, I'm not saying that bodybuilding competitions are unimportant and they're always bad, but it just, it wasn't important to me. It just is kind of where I ended up. Um, and because it, I felt so dissatisfied with the outcome, the system started slipping. I started half-assing and missing some training sessions. I wasn't eating as well as I should have. And that actually took me further away from the outcome. Yeah, because you become disheartened with I the, was the disheartened. lack of outcome just yet. Well, you know what? If I actually look back, I'm like, the outcome was pretty sick. Well, the perceived outcome, that's the yeah. important, I think. The important recognition here is that most people, when they're outcome focused, perceive day in, day out as a negative because they're not at that outcome yet. Right. Yeah. You because know, it's a year away or six months away. Yeah. Even if they're five months into this six month cut, it's still not good enough yet because mm. they haven't made that goal. Um, and then their perception is that they're just failing at it all the time mm. or that they, they haven't won yet or they haven't succeeded yet. So there's this, this constant like repetition of not there yet, not there yet, mm. not there yet when your system, uh, so sorry, when you're um, outcome focused. So yeah, they feel like the happiness is in the outcome instead of finding happiness in the process. Yeah. Mm. I find um, bodybuilding in this discussion to be a really interesting contrast. Okay. Because the outcome is excessive. Oh yeah. And it requires... <clears throat> you to do some things that are otherwise not that healthy for you. Mm -hmm. However, it is one of the only endeavors that I've ever engaged in. And uh, a client of mine, Alex Connors posted a little bit about this the other day and another client, Matt got on there as well and, and agreed on it is that it's the only endeavor whereby I have been okay with not winning mm -hmm. at the end of the, when the outcome arrived, mm -hmm. because I knew that when I was, focusing on the process, I did everything that I could outside mm -hmm. of my genetic capacity versus somebody else's. Uh, and because it's not an objective win or loss, I can kind of laugh that bit often to say, did I do the process well? And did I progress over time? Yes, I did. Tick, tick, tick. Success, enjoyment of coming second. There's nothing better they could have done. Yeah, yeah. Whereas objectively, if you lose a soccer match, which is what I used to play, it was because you didn't score enough goals. Mm. Uh, and, and, that, and that was my, my yardstick for success. You could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. So like bodybuilding has really taught me that process is incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and it's even more important in anyone with any kind of physique or health uh, outcome endeavor because physique and health, come, health outcome endeavors don't happen tomorrow. These are three, Delayed gratifications. six and 12 month goals, if not three and four months. Some people spend goals. 10 years building muscle. Yeah. Well, mm. I mean, how many people do we get stopped by and they'll like, even say to me, oh, how long is it taking you to look like that? And I'm like, 15 years. Mm. They're like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's to... like, that's 15 yeah. years of enjoying the process. Yeah. It just so happens that the process has, you know, provided this current outcome. Yeah. Um, so, so if you do have health, you know, goals and you do have physique goals, it's even more important to be in a process focus because these it takes so long. are going to show up very quickly. Yeah. yeah, There's a huge lag between action and outcome for sure. Yeah. Plus also like celebrating the wins every day, every week and every month. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, no, you for know? sure. But I wanted to share a story about um, how I, I switched from being process focused. When was it that I did that strongman competition? Like 2018? Oh, no, before it would have. Well, 17? Maybe, maybe 18? 17, 18. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it got to the stage where I couldn't see myself not lifting weights anymore, or doing some sort of strength sport because I absolutely love it. But I didn't want to do a physique focused thing anymore because just focusing so much on how you look actually is uh, correlated positively with body dissatisfaction. And when I say positive, I don't mean in a good way. I mean, people who focus on how they look 
end up being more dissatisfied with how they look. And, and that's sort of where I was going. And I was like, I want to choose some sort of physical endeavor that has nothing to do with how I look and just has to do with how my body performs. And so I chose to do a bit of strongman and I entered a strongman competition and I decided I'm going to commit to this training. I'm going to do everything as well as I can. And I don't know how I'm going to do in this competition. It's my first, you know, lifting competition. If I do well, that's great. If I don't, I did my very best. Let's see how this goes. And I really committed. I did technique sessions in the morning. I did strength sessions in the afternoon. My nutrition was on point. Um, everything went really well because I was focusing on just the things that I could do and whatever the outcome was, it was my best. I ended up, well, accidentally setting an Australian record at the time for my weight class because I miscounted how much was on the bar, <laughs> my third lift. And I was really happy with that, but I would have been just as happy with whatever the outcome was because I did what I could. I, the process was on point and I actually enjoyed all of the steps along the way. Mm. And honestly, since then, that was such a turning point for me. And I just can't see myself going back. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that uh, this is not suggesting either though, that the outcome or having an outcome in mind is not a negative. Oh, no. It's often just the, the catalyst for then deciding what are the processes and what is the system that I need to engage in to achieve the outcome. Mm -hmm. But then instead of then focusing on the outcome, once you've determined those systems and processes to then focus on the wins of those. Mm, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as coaches, our clients are influenced by what we focus on. So if they do a check-in for us and we're always like, yes, you lost a kilo and a half this week, the outcome, they're going to start focusing on that. So instead, what we do is... Celebrate the wins of the processes. Mm, we look you know, at process variables. Yeah. yeah. Did you eat X amount of meals with vegetables in it? Tick, Yes. You know, did you hit your daily steps? Yes. Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is that is a part of the, that, that process, they're the things we celebrate. Mm. Like maybe somebody's trying to reduce their alcohol consumption. So there might be a column in their daily tracking sheet that's like, how many drinks did you mm. have today? Zero, zero, two on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, zero the next day. Great. You had four over the course of the week. You wanted to have five max. That's a win. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that we would never be like oh it's so great that this outcome was reached but no. it's not the focus yeah no like mm. i'm commenting on the physique changes in my contest prep athletes on a weekly basis because it's important to also recognize there are that they, they do exist however the larger majority of the conversation is centered around like what do you need to get done this week to be successful and have you done it you did the, you did the things you ate the things you you know relaxed the things tick 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 mm. successful week maybe your scale weight didn't change but there's some variables that may you know taking into consideration the looks good the outcomes on its way processes like focus is ticked off happy days mm. yeah love it okay so the third thing is what health halo mm, i don't know if you've heard of this before if anybody has read our first book called life after dieting a guide to informed eating we speak about health halo there essentially it's about influential beliefs now let's say, um, what is it? Macro Whole Foods. You guys know that brand Woolworths bought it a few mm. years ago. They have a bread. It's a, like a linseed and something bread. It's 85% lower carbs. So people who are influenced by that marketing might be like, oh, I'm trying to eat better because I'm trying to lose some weight. I'm going to choose this bread that's 85% lower carbs because um, there's this perception that somehow it's, healthier whatever that means mm. um 
or sugarless cookies. Oh, like the Gullens cookies that you find Ooh, in the health yeah. food store? Gullens slash AKA gut busters. Did you know that there's more calories if we're comparing 100 grams of cookie to another cookie? Mm. More calories in Gullens sugar-free cookies that are loaded with sugar alcohols, yeah. may I add, than, um, you know, those, uh, what are they called? Like Vivo, hang on. Oh, the Iced Vivos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like- Iced Vovo. Vovo, they're like coconut raspberry jam yeah, ones. Yeah. yeah. More calves, more calves. So when people see some sort of label, gluten-free, lower carb, no sugar, the health halo effect influence people, influences people to overestimate the healthfulness of that food. And the reason this is a problem is because people end up um, over-consuming because they feel like, well, it's, it's healthy, whatever that means. Um, they underestimate the caloric value and because they feel like they've eaten well, they also don't move as much, mm. okay? So it reduces energy expenditure. So for those three reasons, it's really important to make more informed choices, fill our knowledge gaps, ignore the marketing and learn to read labels, which is the focus of, I believe, chapter two, or was it chapter three of um, the Untangling Fatless ebook? Mm. That, that's mm. a massive double whammy, right? I think I'm eating healthily, mm. tick. Therefore, because it's healthy, I can eat maybe a couple more, tick. And because I've eaten healthy, I can now get away with doing less. <laughs> yeah. So you've gone from, you know, eating at X calories to eating at X plus two and doing X minus two yeah. exercise. So now you're at a, you know, a negative four instead uh -huh. of being neutral. Well, how many times have we had people inquire for coaching, Dean, that are like, I don't get it. I'm eating healthy and I'm still not losing weight. It's oh, like, yeah. well... <sighs> the nutrient density of food is entirely separate to the calorie density mm. of food. Of course, we should be considering the nutrient density of food, but we can't ignore calories. You know, health and weight loss are separate. Although there's some overlap, they are separate. And we don't need to choose. We still can eat quote unquote healthy food or let's call them nutrient dense food while controlling for calories at the same time. Yeah. Um, Gullen's, those sugar-free cookies that you'll find in the um, health food aisle, tick in neither of those boxes. They're high calorie and low nutrients. <laughs> Not to say that we can't eat any of those foods. Like I'm going to eat chocolate. I'm going to eat hot chips because I love them, but I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that like, oh, well, they're sugar-free, yeah. like chips are sugar-free. And you're also going <laughs> to eat things like avocado on toast, but you recognize that that, you know, whatever you want to call insert fancy name at fucking cafe for breakfast, you know, avocado right. smash, ketorific yeah. <laughs> breakfast, you know, uh -huh. that you also know that you can't then just have an abundance of that food because it is calorific. Yeah, because I can eat anything. I just can't eat everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people would be mortified, I think, that if they sometimes went to a cafe and weighed up three meals of like an acai bowl mm. or like an avocado smash with whole eggs, you know, and they might do something like healthier, like a turkey bacon or something, you know. Yeah, or cooked in coconut oil. Uh-huh. Um, or pancakes. pancakes <laughs> that they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. If not, potentially the pancakes might be better because they portion control calorific foods at least in Australia far better than America. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. But anyway, not, that's another um, but again, this is about understanding, like looking beyond the market mm -hmm. thing, marketing and to the back of the label or understanding what's in food so uh -huh. that you can make these informed choices. Exactly. And a good example is actually M&Ms and granola have almost identical calories, gram for gram. Um, and I'll link it in the show notes. There's this really interesting study that showed that people uh, looking at my notes here overestimated um, how much, how many calories were in granola by almost 30% and underestimated the calorie content of M&Ms by 9%. Yeah. Mm, I know. Yeah. 
Uh, did I say that the right way around? Underestimated the calories of granola by almost 30%. And uh, overestimated, overestimated yeah. M&Ms by 9%. Yeah, I'm getting tongue-tied yeah. there on my own. Notes. And then the flip, not that we would encourage this, is that mm. the people that ate the M&Ms would then more than likely probably go do more exercise. Uh -huh. so the people that eat the granola wouldn't, which makes it even worse again. And, yeah, and as Dean was saying, we're definitely not suggesting that you need to work off your food <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at all. But it seems to be that people are influenced by their food choices or their movement is influenced by their food choices. Um, although it shouldn't, we should always maintain, you know, a healthy amount of movement through, you know, walking, cycling, whatever, and, mm. and strength work, you know, it doesn't have to be lifting weights or something. Um, but yeah, that seems yeah, to be what to happens. Be, a lot of people get lost in uh, the marketing of the health halo effect. And I mean, we hear it from my mum all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. But there's no sugar in it. It's gluten-free. Yeah. It's you know, low fat. I eat healthily for breakfast, but yeah, it's high fat yogurt with granola and fruit, like all nutrient dense, amazing food. Your mummy eats great quality food. Yeah. But yeah. it's just, they're calorific. So yeah. And very easy to eat a lot of. Hmm. It's interesting though, because I have explained the difference to your mum, even my mm. parents as well, a long time ago. Or well, your um, mum came to one of our seminars. She fell asleep in one of them. Do you remember? Pretty sure it was when you were talking there. <laughs> Maybe, probably. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing her asleep in the audience and I was like, so awkward. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, I've explained the calorie versus nutrient thing, but it seems to be like, they're like, okay, cool. I understand. And, and I feel like I was pretty clear and I feel like it's a, pretty easy thing to understand but then six months later they come to me with the same problems and the same questions again and I repeat the same thing and they're like oh that's interesting but I think that's because they hear this from you once every six months okay but while they're on tv and social media they yeah. see the opposing view of that every day yeah right you know uh, I had a, a but you can't unlearn this thing you can't unlearn it <laughs> well I actually had somebody the other day said to me like you know insert influencer who's very smart phd great guy Oh, no, you when, should name and shame right now. No, no, no. When, no? No, 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 no. Okay. So he has some fantastic information. It's like when I see that he was anti-COVID, mm -hmm. how could I possibly take his opinion seriously now moving forward? I and see. I just said, you know, one piece of opinion doesn't necessarily negate that we consider negative, negate all other pieces of opinion. You know, I would then say, like, for example, my, uh, my example back to him was like, I would then have to question every person I know that believes in, say, like a non-scientific belief system that all of their science then is therefore wrong. So you're talking about religious scientists. Yeah, like how could they possibly have two? They can, you know, for whatever reason. But I'm saying like just because they believe in one thing without science doesn't uh -huh. mean that I shouldn't then take their scientific information seriously. Right. And the conversation then ended up as like, well, how do I determine which one, you know? And this is the biggest is correct. Like when you've got two people with opposing views that apparently are both science-backed. Mm. And I said, this is the tough thing is that people are, constantly berated with different pieces of information and they don't always know which one is right yeah okay i can um, see that yeah. so sometimes it's the marketing that wins over the logic mm. because it is sexier to say you know make this gluten-free cake and it's guilt-free i hate the word guilt-free like you should never feel guilty for eating anything unless you're like eating a live animal and you're biting its limbs oh, off and it's in pain then you're a piece of shit and you should <laughs> feel really guilty but if you're not doing that, like, why should a label say guilt-free? Mm. Shouldn't. It's ridiculous. But look beyond the marketing is the take home on the health halo. It's, it's a yeah. big one. Yes. Read the label, not the marketing. Look to number four. Number four. Intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators. Uh-huh. So we're going to talk about motivators. I thought a good place to start is by defining what the heck is motivation. So we hear people say like, if only I had more motivation or I always have motivation in the beginning and then like my motivation dies. Motivation is just like the willingness or, um, 
or desire to act or behave a certain way. And we always have motivators. It's just, they don't always align with the things we're trying to do. So let's say somebody's trying to get their butts to the gym, I don't know, four days a week or something like that. And after week two, they end up, you know, on the couch because they feel so tired or they end up at a friend's house gossiping, something like that. It's not that they've lost motivation. They just have a motivation to stay home. They have a motivation to gossip with their friend. It's that their motivations change. And so when we look at the difference between extrinsic, we can think of as external or intrinsic, we could think of as internal motivators. We know that one is better than the other for staying on track. Okay. Or for, for maintaining motivation to act in accordance with the end goal. Okay. <clears throat> so an extrinsic motivator would be uh, something that passes, maybe like the date passes or something that is reliant on other people. So maybe uh, your motivator for change is that you want to look hot at a wedding or a party. Okay. Or you want to be strong for a competition. Those dates are going to pass. And if that's your motivator, what the heck are you going to do after that? Or maybe you want to get more attention on Instagram. What if the algorithm changes? What if there's hotter people than you on Instagram? I don't know. What if you're trying to make your ex jealous? Like you can't earn jealousy. Someone has to give it to you. And what if he doesn't? Or mm. She doesn't. Like mm. a lot of these extrinsic motivators are selling, selling very outcome oriented also. Mm. They are. It's true. Enough. It is very true. Um, and they usually are very good fuel sources for getting started and we're not saying that they're bad it's just that it's not a sustainable fuel source yeah okay it's an engager <laughs> exactly it gets the engine started but it doesn't keep it on and i think that's why people think uh they they don't have motivation or they lose motivation because the initial motivator of x date is a good fuel source mm -hmm. and then they stop thinking about what their intrinsic motivators may be to continue mm -hmm. or they're not consciously aware of them. So, <clears throat> it's true. Um, so yeah. let's give an example of extrinsic motivators, shall we? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say like they're value driven. Yeah. They're always yeah. value driven. Exactly. So for me, I really value adventure and freedom. Um, one of my extrinsic motivators that comes from a value of adventure and freedom is I want to live in a body that's always able to say yes at the drop of a hat to any activity. Do you want to go water skiing? Do you want to go hiking? I don't know. Do you want to climb this tower for an amazing view of Paris? Like, yes, I'm fit enough to do that mm. um, because I value adventure and freedom. That, that doesn't really go. Like our values may adjust over time and, and that's fine, but I don't see myself ever not valuing adventure and freedom. Yeah, mm. they're huge for me. Uh, a value for me uh, to give a reference would be to not only live a long and extended life, but a high quality long and extended mm -hmm. life. And I know that, you know, certain behaviors are required day in, day out in order to set me up in preparation for when I am older so that I'm not decrepit. Right. So that value would be independence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, uh, I think even coming from, <clears throat> excuse me, coming from the bodybuilding motivating sort of scene where I was about being as big as possible, but some people like, how do you deal with not, and I've even asked myself this many times, like, how am I currently dealing with the fact that I am less muscular than I've been, et cetera? Like I've regressed in bodybuilding standards, mm -hmm. but it's because of some of these other values, like you said, even the one like having a body that's capable of just to be able to say yes. Because you can't as a bodybuilder, because when you were at your largest, yeah. walking <clears throat> hurt you. 115 kilos was too uncomfortable to do anything. So yeah, um, yeah doing it at 95 kilos is much easier mm. so my behavior is currently <laughs> with those, those dean has uh quote unquote regressed on purpose 
And it depends how you look at it. It could even be a progression, you know, like you've progressed into a body that now is more functional for everyday activities. Yeah. It doesn't hurt you as much. You don't snore, you you know. As Ollie would say, Mm -hmm. functional and fuckable. Functional and fuckable. Okay. (laughs) Because 115 kilos was difficult in all walks of life. I had no breath. (laughs) My breath breath had, had, had disappeared. He was a bottom starfish. (laughs) <laughs> i'm just kidding um okay so there's tons of values that could help you maintain you know motivation to act in a way that will help you get to your goals um, especially because these are long-term actions it's not like we can only maintain motivation to act in a certain way for the first two weeks like what progress are you going to make in two weeks um And if you're kind of struggling to think like, well, I don't know if freedom and independence and adventure are highly valued for me. Maybe self-respect is, maybe hard work is. I don't know. Think about it. Maybe even Google like personal values and read through lists and see what clicks with you and see how you can connect Mm. that to nutrition, to stress management, to sleep, to to movement. Yeah. I think that that last comment is huge. I would reiterate it if I could remember it word for word. Do you, Dean? Yeah. Maybe we shall use it as a snippet. (laughs) But before we get to the next one, which is, oh, I believe the last one, being method fluid, I just wanted to read you a really quick excerpt. I feel like I can never pronounce that properly. Excerpt? (laughs) Excuse me, that one, from a study uh, that split people uh, into groups of people who had lost weight and maintained the weight loss and people who had lost weight and regained weight. They're called regainers. The others are called maintainers. and the differences that being uh, differences in motivators, it goes like this, both maintainers and regainers were predominantly motivated by physical appearance, because we said that even extrinsic motivators are fantastic fuel sources to get started, um, like self-esteem for weight loss. Compared to regainers, more maintainers reported weight reduction driven by social pressure and less were promoted by friends and family to lose weight, sorry, prompted. Um, In maintainers, shifts in motives from weight loss to a maintenance phase were found, including an increased prevalence of health motives and decreased physical appearance motives. Mm. Okay. So when I was reading that in the beginning, you might be like, oh, that's kind of counter to what they were saying before. The point here is that both both groups, people that maintained weight loss and those that regained it, initially were driven by, you know, looks and appearance um, and self-esteem, but people who maintained their weight loss had shifts in their motivators to health and decreased physical appearance. Mm. This is another tick in the process direction mm, because, you know, the outcome is kind of like we're talking about in this extrinsic motivator, but those that have taken the time to then probably not only focus on the process, but they've probably asked themselves these questions, like what values are important to me, what processes align with those values, and then they've maintained their weight accordingly. So these all really uh, tie in quite nicely. And you know what? It's, it's somewhat intuitive and I think to a certain degree. Um, it is, but I don't think many people think of it. That was going to say, but people yeah. don't, aren't conscious uh, about what they're actually, you know, mm. what may be beneficial to a And there's so much to think about. Um, I don't just mean in the nutrition and health space. Like lives are so busy. We've got bills to pay and texts to get back to and bosses chasing us up and our inbox filling up. Like, I get that we don't have a lot of time to sit and be reflective. Um, so I really hope that we've shown you some important cards that you can flip over and look at a little closely, a little closer. Last one, being method fluid. Yes. Having the ability to shift between varying methods. Mm. So let's say somebody has 
achieved good results doing, I don't know, macro tracking. Um, or even keto. Whatever, whatever the method is. Paleo doesn't matter. Paleo doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, or intermittent fasting. That's one particular method. Being method fluid allows someone to move from one method to another. Remembering that being on a diet and off a diet is not being method fluid. <laughs> That's yeah. yo-yo dieting. Um, and those are often the methods that people choose. They diet hard during the year and go off a diet fully YOLO over Christmas. Oh, fuck, I've gained all the weight back in three weeks on a diet again. Not what we're talking about. No. What we're talking about here is like maybe macro tracking works for you most of the time. Um, and over holidays or Christmas periods, something like that, maybe you want to move to a method um, of informed eating, for example. Um, again, informed eating is a concept, flex success. Uh, coined. Coined? I was going to say dreamed up. But I didn't mm. really mean that. Mm. Coined. <coughs> that we use quite successfully with our clients, and that is the topic of our, our first book. And it essentially has three pillars. That is understanding uh, your individual needs, having a strong knowledge of nutrition and then understanding your personal preferences. So how do your needs and your knowledge of nutrition tie into your personal preferences? Mm. Um, to then make informed choices. To then make informed choices of when, what, how much to eat. Um, it's very helpful if we have a background of macro tracking, even if just for a few weeks, because that helps build knowledge of nutrition. Um, and so maybe somebody wants to go from macro tracking to informed eating, maybe even intuitive eating over a period of time, which is very different to informed eating. It's a weight neutral approach. Um, back to macro tracking when it's more appropriate. Mm. And the reason is because we don't want to stick to one method all the time. Why? Well, not all <coughs> methods are suitable for varying stages of your life and all your goals. How fun would it you be know? to precisely macro track Christmas lunch? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like go weigh every ingredient on the scale <laughs> yeah yeah that's not going to be a fun time you know like extreme goals may require some more extreme methods oh of course yeah less extreme goals will require some less extreme methods some people may be you know emotionally physically psychologically even socially okay with tracking macros even when they eat out some may not mm. none of them are right or wrong mm -hmm. it's just you need to, like I said, the individual uh, needs and preferences are super important because that's what's going to help dictate what method is suitable at that given time. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know how much of a side shoot this is, but I might say, um, just pulling on a thread that Dean mentioned there, that like uh, some people might feel comfortable macro tracking Christmas lunch or some people won't. Don't reflect your boundaries and level of comfort and what you feel is normal on someone else um, because everyone has kind of different levels of acceptance and boundaries so if someone brings comes to your house and brings their own lunch don't shit on that like they're trying really hard obviously to do whatever they're trying to do they've cooked they've prepped they want to hang out with you don't then tell them it's ridiculous that they've, they've brought their own lunch mm. and it's too far because maybe it's too far for you and that's fine and you don't have to do that. Yeah. But it's not too far for someone else or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, like even like, let's say the worst case scenario is this person is so, um, you know, neurotic about their food that if they don't bring it, they have anxiety anxiety and stress. Mm. Now, there's something to work on for them on a separate issue, but, but like you're potentially going to exacerbate these problems for them if you don't take the, uh, the chance to sort of think about mm, maybe this just isn't suitable for me. Uh, I haven't read it or seen it, but I think there's a whole blow up about this exactly at the moment with the rock bringing Tupperware to, to um, restaurants. Oh yeah. 
he apparently has a particular gig that he's trying to get impressively lean for. Okay. And he's brought food to restaurants. I just saw the snippet. So We've it could all been be there. Clickbait. <laughs> could be clickbait. <coughs> and people are blowing up like, how, how could you possibly bring Tupperware to us to a restaurant? Oh, man. Yeah. Because I think I may be wrong, but that's okay. the gist of it. Well, well, let's just say I haven't seen this, but let's say that's the case. The Rock is obviously trying to do, I think you mentioned, get in extremely good shape for yeah, a, a, a particular a movie, uh, movie or something song. like that. That requires a particular level of detail, mm. you know, that is inside his Tupperware. Like yeah, you, he may you... also just be like, you know what, I want to see what it's like to dial up like an absolute lunatic mm. for the next three months and just see what it's like. You know? Yeah, of course, if you feel like your friend has some issues with food, you can be like, hey, you're free to do whatever you want. Like, would you be open to having a lunch that I've prepared? If not, your food's yeah. fine too. And, and, and I feel like we can accept people's issues as well. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with saying to a friend, like if they've expressed that they have problems with food, like, oh, well, I love you regardless of your problems. Mm. You are welcome to bring your Tupperware to my house because there's nothing more isolating than feeling like your friends don't accept you with your problems. Yeah, they're either going to eat at a Tupperware at home or at your house. Yeah, like at least let me have problems with friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Mm. Uh, method fluidity, I like it. Method fluidity. Uh, okay, so yeah. we're going to wrap it up with our quick segments. Yes. I just got a fringe cut. Those who are watching on um, YouTube have probably noticed. Every time I move my head, I can feel my hair shatter against my forehead. It's preparing you for being an absolute demon against mosquitoes and flies. <laughs> it's true. Just be like nothing. So as I said the word segments, I was like segments shakes my head. You're Daryl Broman, but of the forehead, forehead. Woo! And for people who don't know that, if they've watched the footy show, Daryl Broman is a very large fat man. He has a wonderful double chin. He has a huge double chin. Very interesting. He has a segment with uh, young football players that's called Brain Strain. <laughs> and at the beginning of the video, he turns his head at speed and goes, Brain Strain. And his cheek just goes, like No, no, no. It's his double chin. Oh, sorry, his, it's a cheek. Yeah. His yeah, yeah. His chin. bottom chin is delayed. Like his yeah. head turns quickly and his bottom chin like takes yeah. a little while to turn. And I love it. it I gives, love that segment so it, it much. It gives a different meaning to turn. <laughs> Every time the footy show was on, Dean, I was like, Brain Strain's coming up. Yeah. Brain Strain. Yeah. So I so, guess yeah, my. Yeah. You're the Broman of, of this podcast. I have a double chin on my forehead. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, uh, less shit tip, Liz. I have, yeah. I think the less shit tip is reflect and think about the things that are going to make goal achievement more likely or easier. Mm. Um, and so the five things we went over, just as a quick summary, maybe maybe five is too many and you just want to, like, pick one or two. That's yeah. cool. Um, building a robust... Uh... Response system? Yes, emotional regulation. So yep. Google uh, Wheel of Emotions or look at the book called Atlas of the Heart. Yep. Process versus outcome focus. Focus on the process. The health halo effect. Indeed. Uh, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators. Mm -hmm. And the final was method fluidity. Exactly. And for those who think Dean has an excellent memory, I was scrolling through my notes. I remember some. Did you? Good Couldn't get that third word though on the uh, robust system. Robust response system. Mm, How response. you respond so, to. See, you're just trying to make <laughs> Robust rapido. response system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Rapido, say it now. Rapido. Hey, that was, that was good. Relaxed. I, went I out. love I it. Kidding. All right. So the less shit tip was actually think about this shit. Okay. Something <laughs> worth sharing. Um, we were going to go at it with the normal life. Finish one. We're going to go with the travel one. Okay. So I thought it would be cool to share the international bank account that we use. 
They're actually from the UK. They're not a bank, though, are they? They're like a money They're a finance platform. Uh, financial. I can't remember. They do call themselves a very specific thing. Anyway, it used to be called TransferWise. It's now called WISE. Um, but it's a financial institution that essentially leverages big banks' security in depositing and holding money. Uh-huh. And they allow you to hold money in multiple different currencies. Uh, and they also give you the opportunity to exchange your monies through varying currencies at the, the middle rate of the exchange rate, which typically means you save a lot more money mm-hmm. in the conversion process. Um, and they are internationally recognized in, uh, I don't even know. Everywhere we've been. A lot of countries. Yeah. But you can hold currencies in up to 50 countries. Yeah. So before um, WISE, when I traveled, I had to go to the bank and I had to get a, what was it called? Like a travel card, travel card in yeah. a particular currency. And it was annoying because I had to spend exactly that amount. And, and at that current exchange rate. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And at that yeah. current exchange rate. And if I didn't spend that amount, then I had to pay to get it converted back. back lose more. Yeah, with WISE. And there's typically additional fees with ATMs. Yes, that's uh, true. All that kind of shit. Mm. Um, those cards also weren't typically use, usable on applications like Uber and that. Mm. They weren't classified as official debit cards. But essentially WISE just works like a, a normal debit card. Um, but you can have an account in US dollars, in Croatian kuna, even though yeah. they've moved to euro now, Turkish lira, whatever, whatever you pounds. Want. And then you mm. can choose when and if you change that currency. It's cool. Yeah. Um, they have physical cards you can use. They have digital cards as well that are also a little bit uh, safer when doing online purchases. Yeah. But it's let's say, like right now we're in Mexico. I actually don't have any Mexican pesos on my wise card, but I've got Australian money. So if I go and spend in Mexico, it just takes from my Australian account. Like you don't have to think about it. Yeah. There's a conversion fee. And then there's also obviously the exchange rate that changes time by time. So sometimes it's advantageous to exchange large sums into the uh, currency you want. If the, when the exchange exchange rate's good. good. Um, And then there also are some like finer details, like um, certain currencies convert slow versus fast. And if you don't have their currency and it's a slow one, they'll charge you more. If it's a fast one, they'll charge you less. What do you mean slow and fast? So it might be like, yeah, they don't actually, I don't think they accept um, uh, money from Venezuela, but say (laughs) they classify that as like, I don't think like a a low grade transfer. Right. So when you transfer it, it'll actually cost you more to do that than what it would if you were doing Australian to the UK. So it might be something about like a risky currencies because the inflation in Venezuela is insane. Half my family live there, by the way, listeners. Yeah, wise. So we'll we'll bang a link down, I think, um, just for ease of access. Um, you can jump on there and have a look. They are free. Uh, you can do business accounts on there. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Okay. Highly recommended. So link in bio to take you straight to eyes and you can sign up that way. Yeah. Um, okay. We are going to finish with a would you rather. <sighs> I have not prepared one, but mm. I'm going to think of one. Dean. Yes, Liz. Would you rather have cauliflower ears that are always weeping mm. or... Have a thick monobrow that you can't pluck. Oh, look, that's pretty easy for me. Which one? Cauliflower ears. Really? But they're always weeping. Yeah, look, even if the discharge is thick and creamy. Oh. I'm going cauliflower ears. Because you know why? You earned those. Can you not say thick and creamy discharge? I, I chose that. This is not okay. Uh, my, my ears would likely be moist all the time. Don't. Um, oh, my God. I feel like if I ever had permission to punch <laughs> you square in the face, it would be right now. Look. Yes, yeah, You earn cauliflower ears. You're a badass motherfucker. I'm respected in the community that has those. Okay, for anyone that doesn't know what cauliflower ears are, they're like uh, something that happens usually to fighters when their ears have like impact trauma too often. Yeah. Uh, and 
there's a lot of uh, inflammation in the ear and the lobes kind of get a bit distorted. And sorry, not the lobes. What's this the part cartilage, of your ear called? Cartilage. Yeah, you yeah. basically lose, like it, it fills up with fluid scar tissue and they just get thick and nasty and um, they have to get them drained. I didn't take my uh, helix. I have two helix uh, studs and three tragus, sorry, other way around, three helix and two tragus piercings. And when I was doing jujitsu, I was getting them smacked all the time. Mm. And I thought that was like a real quick way to get cauliflower ears. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I can get away with cauliflower ears and people are like, oh, they're not very nice. But they're but, weeping. Yeah, I know. They're like, oh, they're not very nice. But a monobrow is, is going to limit your ability to get anybody's attention that isn't them laughing at you. I think that your weeping cauliflower ears would distract me. Oh, you're not getting my attention with those ears. Yeah, but what if I had a monobrow on it, a thick monobrow that I could <laughs> I think on a guy it's more acceptable. But that's fine if that's your choice. The dude who cool. just won the Mr. Olympia uh, has a, a mean monobrow, but because he's Iranian and he's such a nice dude, it's just like, you're a fucking legend. Yeah, Sweet monobrow, see? Right? But no one would be like a, sweet weeping cauliflower ears. White man. Yeah, but all of the all the jujitsu guys would be like, damn, you must have done some serious fighting. But they're always weeping. I'd probably win fights because I'd weep on people and they'd run away <laughs> That's from me. so gross. Mm. Ew, you're officially single. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm still choosing the cauliflowers. Okay. That's objectively wrong and disgusting, but that's fine. Uh, thanks for listening everyone we do hope this has been helpful if it has please help us out by sharing us on social media take a screenshot tag us we can reshare it maybe even tell us which one of these five things you're going to focus on Ooh. perhaps or tag us in your weeping cauliflower oh would you rather cauliflower ears or a sick mono and if you have them i'm serious tag us in oh <clears throat> I... my clients just sent me a close-up of his toe this week mm -hmm. with no explanation initially just because i checked the photos first like, why am I getting a close-up of this toe? Okay. And he just wanted to show me that he dropped 30 kilograms of tiles on it. Oh. Uh, but it was new. so like it Was it weeping? No, but it was new, but it hadn't transferred into an injury. Was it creamy discharge? No, it was just a toe. And I was like, thanks for your toe picture, man. <laughs> and then I was like, but it will probably bleed good. And today he sent me another one. And it was like close. Oh. It was like a scroll. And, oh, there's a big toe. Don't send us those sorts of pictures. That's fucking gross. <laughs> Okay. Cheers, Casey. Until the next episode. Oh, the next episode is going to be number 100. Ooh. It's going to be special. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be good. Dan's going to take his top off. <laughs> He's doing the Terry tit dance for those just listening. <laughs> That's funny you say Terry to friends out. This is our 99th episode and he's from the 99th precinct. He is from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. If you haven't watched it, what the fuck have you been doing? Mm. Go watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, guys. See ya.